Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles. Welcome to the show. Yay! All right, today I'm interviewing the incredible, fierce, amazing, and a superstar, by the way, Kimberly Shannon Murphy. I met her kind of in passing so many times in both of our early days in New York, so we go back about 20 years, so I'm really excited to catch up with her. She's written a book that I believe, and so many other people are out there believing in spreading this book that is really a must read for anybody interested in trauma and hope. The book is called Glimmer. It's her story of surviving childhood sexual abuse and how that affected her life and how she essentially overcame and accomplished so much in her work life, in her external life, in her family life, in creating a life for herself, and also accomplished so much, of course, in her inner work. She has so much to share. She's such a beacon of hope, and I'm so excited to catch up with her and share her journey with you. Let's get into it. Oh my gosh. Well, first, it's so good to see you. Gosh. It's been forever. Like, literally, I think that magazine shoot might have been the last time I saw you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my Which goodness. We were like 20 something. Yeah, we were just, you know, trying to figure out the glimmer. <laughs> just trying to make it and make $200 on a magazine. I know. Can you imagine? It was like, that was like a big deal. I remember being really excited to be there too. Yeah. And, and they the time- took like seven months to pay us. Right. Like, to right? get 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And then. I don't know about you, but yeah, then the agent would take like all of it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> like, I'm just grateful that I'm in the magazine. I right, know. right. I'm so grateful. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I saw you on um, that the Red Table talk show and I'm like, that's Kim. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I've been, um, you know, kind of doing this for a really long time and quiet. So it's, it's interesting to now have it out in the world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And, uh, okay. So thanks for doing this. So we have, you know, it's, it's our yoga people. It's probably your aunt Pat's friends (laughs) for sure. All of them. (laughs) They're all, all of her like cosmic babies are here. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing this. Cause I feel like a lot of folks come to yoga, you know, for some kind, some kind of healing, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious or whatever. So yeah, I think this is going to be huge. And anytime we do anything about, um, you know, feelings or in group stuff, talking, it's, 
you know, waterworks. So I just feel like this is such a, we're putting this on, we're putting our book, this, your book on our like reading list for the teacher trainings. Because, oh, thank you. Well, because I feel like it's such an important book for trauma, you know, it's. Well, it's an important book for, and, and I really try to do it that way where we've all had trauma, no matter big, you know, where they say capital T, lowercase C, I call it all the same because mm. I think that we all, whatever we have been through, it's our story and, and we all process it differently and we all need to heal from it, whatever that is and whatever that looks like for us. And yoga has been something for me that, you know, I've practiced since my twenties. Mm. Um, I enjoy like the hot yoga cause I probably like to torture myself. <laughs> there's probably, there's probably deeper meaning to that. Um, but you know, for me, I remember the first yoga class I took, same thing. Like all I did was cry, yeah. like on the mat, just like laying there, just like crying, you yeah. know, because you are in a space where, especially if you have a really good teacher mm-hmm. who's letting you w- with their dialogue, like feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. And when we're out in the world, we're somehow not supposed to do that, mm-hmm. you know? And so I feel like it's such a space of being able to just relax and feel your feelings. And that is something that we don't get to have all the time. So amazing. Oh my gosh. Can I ask you about that kind of early 20s time in New York? Because you were, I mean, doing so many different things and dancing. And I love how you describe in the book because it just takes me right back to, you know, I feel like we were kind of like ships passing in the night. I'm like, I wish I would have hung around with Kim more. (laughs) She's so cool. But you know, that, that sort of from everything that you survived growing up and then sort of leaving and getting out, but still kind of that, that hustle that, you know, I know how that feels, but like you were also dealing with that working through all that stuff. And I love how you talk about the cheap therapy and the good therapy. I want to ask you about that later too. But how did you feel when you were in that sort of early 20s, like trying to make something happen phase versus like, you know, when things got more stable in your work life and in your emotional life? Yeah. I think I was really ignoring my pain big Mm -hmm. time through my 20s. And I was, you know, recreationally using drugs and um, just trying to push it and suppress it and not really feel it. And part of that turned into the hustle of trying to be something, which I wasn't really sure what that was or what that even means or what that even means now. Like, what does that mean? Be something. It's like, Mm. you know, really what I needed was to be, was to love myself, which I wasn't doing Mm. and to be at peace with my inner child and my inner self. And I just wasn't there because I, I was just on this path of survival. Like I say, through my twenties, I just felt like I was just surviving every day and just trying to work for the next paycheck and pay my rent. And, you know, all of these things were so necessary that I wasn't paying attention to what was going on inside. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Um, I love that you I love that your book is called Glimmer. I feel like that's such a universal, especially when you describe, but it just looks so beautiful as a superficial cover of the book, like Glimmer, what the heck is that? And then you're drawn to it because it's a shiny thing. And then you realize that shiny thing is inside. And that's just so beautiful. But can you talk a bit about how 
because you mentioned that throughout the book, how that kind of maybe in that early 20s phase as well, just kept you, you know, that feeling of pulling you forward toward, you know, something, how you said before, not quite sure what that something is besides healing, but kind of that glimmer kept you going. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, it's really interesting because after I named the book, I found out that there was a doctor, Dr. Deb Dana, who um, calls glimmer the opposite of your triggers, Mm. which I did not know when I named the book. And she's famous for that. Um, She's older now and she's written a lot of books on the nervous system and um, how when you've been abused or you've had trauma, how your glimmers are the opposite of your triggers. And so it was really interesting. And I actually did get to speak with her. Um, and she read my book before it came out. And um, that was really great to just have that connection with her. And for me, though, it just felt like there was something inside of me that refused to give up and just keep going. And I didn't really understand what that was because you do come across a a variety of people who could have been through very similar situations and we all handle it differently. Some, you know, some of us, it like literally, you know, um, we can't hold a job or we can't, you know, have a life or we can't have a partner or children or anything because the abuse has been so horrible that we can barely keep ourselves alive and that happens a lot. And so for me, I just feel like there was this always this like glimmer inside where I knew that I was meant for something bigger. And when I started becoming successful in my life, I thought that that was what it was. Mm. But really, I think that this is what it was. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, It's funny because you know, I'm, I'm, I listened to your book, like in one full thing. And I just sent everybody, I sent Mike and Daisy, I'm like, go away. <laughs> you know, I thought I would, I thought I would listen for a few chapters and then the next day, but I was like, no, 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 this is like a full on, <laughs> like the whole thing. I, yeah. It's, it's a consume in one, you know, one, one sitting kind of a, kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, so many people that I'm friends with too, and I feel like it gets this really weirdly confused, like just manifest what you want and sort of do it. And then you have this sort of career. And I and I I feel like you have so much wisdom to share because, you know, again, I love how you talk about in the book, like getting that old Navy commercial. And then you're like, I've got all these residuals and I can finally have some security and safety. And then, you know, that mo- that moment when Uma said, you know, of course we're using you. And then Cameron Diaz said, of course we're using you. And sort of that started to happen more and more. And of course you deserve that and we're working toward that but do you feel kind of looking back that that matched any inner work that you were doing or was that just kind of something that happened because you were doing other things i think there's some like real talk in this manifesting from the inside out that you have that you know some other folks are kind of unsure about for sure I definitely don't think that I was manifesting back then. Mm -hmm. I think that I was just working really hard and I was pushing really hard and I was doing anything I needed to do to make things happen for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the last five years I've been more manifesting Mm -hmm. and that I think 
had a lot to do with my disconnection with my inner child because mm. now I've done a lot of inner child work and been doing a lot of inner child work and realizing how important that was or is. Um, so I don't, I mean, maybe subconsciously I was manifesting, but I wasn't doing it consciously mm. like I am now. Yeah. I love that. I think it's really valuable for people because I, I see a lot of people, even that do yoga with us and they're just trying so hard to manifest their, you know, career, whatever that means. And I really think that your book is super valuable because from your experience, you can push your way and just work your butt off in a way to your career and still be needing that help inside. So I think that's just, you know, super valuable. Completely. And I think, I think that I was really broken for a long time and that continued into my stunt world for a while. And it wasn't until I got around a community of women that were stronger than I was, Mm -hmm. that were people that I could really look up to that, you know, when you're in in a world where you feel like you're helping everybody else. Mm I was finally in a world where everybody else was helping me or teaching me, even if they didn't know they were. And Cameron was a huge part of that because watching her for me, the first day I met her changed my life a hundred percent because she was just this amazing, you know, obviously at that time, you know, still now, but she was a massive movie star and to watch her work and to watch the way she interacted with people Mm. and looked people in the eye, which was something that was very difficult for me as Mm. a survivor. It was, I realized when I saw her doing it, Mm. that I never actually do it, did it. Mm. And, um, it came from a place where I just didn't feel like I was good enough to have a conversation with anybody. And so I surrounded myself with people that, work sort of worse than I was Mm. to make myself feel like I was okay when I was really in the wrong room. Wow. Oh, that's, that's like a quote thing right there. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wanted to ask you about just that. Can you talk a little bit about your shift from, I don't know, I guess some people call it like bad news friends to, you know, allowing yourself to feel whatever that is, that confidence, that acceptance to be like, wow, Cameron Diaz appreciates me. And once she wants to be, she wants to be your friend. It's not just, you know, you the other way, it's a together thing. So can you maybe talk about just that shift from, like you said, surrounding yourself from people, not, you know, in a bad place to allowing yourself to feel comfortable with people that are helping you and and being in real good relationships? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with because I came from such an abusive family. It was it wasn't just me. It was there. It was like a whole unit. So we moved in a very toxic way. Mm-hmm. And um, even after my abuser died, my family continued to move in a toxic way because they weren't healing and they weren't doing the work. And so I, when I became successful, and I say that because it's like in that time of my life is like, oh, I'm making money. I'm successful. Mm -hmm. So not the truth. I mean, that's not what success is. But then I thought it was because I had never had it. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making money. I can, I can now help 
these people in my family. I can be the one that says, oh, you can't afford this trip. Let me help you. Or you can't, you know. And so I became this people pleasing person for everybody who had no boundaries whatsoever. And I didn't even know that that word existed. And then when I started surrounding myself with people like Cameron and the people around her as well, that, that, you know, her hair and makeup, her hair, um, woman, Lana is one of my best friends and she is incredible as well. And seeing them in their space and how they operated Mm. and how different that looked than what I was doing Mm. in my space. And then I just had this kind of epiphany, like, what am I doing? Mm. You know, and, and who do I really want to be? And is this what I want for my life? And even if these are people that I love very much, is it healthy for me? to be in, in their space? Do I leave their house? Do I feel better or do I feel drained? And do I feel like I need to recover for three days, Mm. which is how I would feel every Christmas, every, you know, every holiday. And we always, I think as a society, you know, like, okay, it's Christmas. It's like the most stressful thing. It's like spend it with the people (laughs) that make you feel good, whether they're family or not, that love you, that you love them, that you have you know, this, this equal relationship, it's not this one way relationship. And I was doing that to myself, you know, and I think that's so important too, that we have to recognize when we're healing the participation that we took in that as well, because you can't just say like, you know, they were doing this to me. It's like, no, you participated, Mm -hmm. you put yourself in that space. So what part of you was putting yourself in that space? You need to heal that part of you, Mm -hmm. that was allowing that and thought that was okay to put yourself in that space. So that's like a really big thing to work on. Wow. That's I think for for myself. Yeah. I think for everyone. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How, how did you, I know you talk a lot about in the book and about sort of the, the therapy that you were able to go to when you weren't, you know, making money, the sliding scale that sucked, by the way, where the woman told you these horrible things, like, you should just be grateful to be alive. I was like, I think everybody reading your book is like, no, like, super angry at that stuff. Like, we want to stand up for this stuff. But how did you, you know, come to this place where you started to figure it out, maybe intellectually, and, you know, that glimmer feels like that real kind of intuitive pull, like I'm going, I'm going something better, something bigger. This is me. And how did the, how did that process start to, to really happen? Was it therapy or was it sort of gradually in different ways too? I did find a really great therapist who I was with for years. Um, I think the huge shift for me was when I found Gabor, Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Matei. And that was such a bizarre, you know, I basically, I knew he wasn't running his Instagram because he's, he's older. And I just knew just the person that he is. I'm like, this guy is not on social media. Not that he's not on social media. He is on social media, but I'm saying like, he's just present in his, in his self. Like if you listen to him speak, it's such a gift. If you have the opportunity to actually sit and hear him live speak, it's such a, it's such a gift. Um, And I connected with his son who connected me with him. And then that for me was life changing. He was life changing for me. 
watching his videos on YouTube is what I did for probably three weeks straight. I just like watched video after video of him speaking about trauma and his whole feeling about it and his whole take about it. And it resonated so much with me. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I found the person that I've been looking for who understands what I have been going through that I couldn't put the words to Mm -hmm. that he so eloquently can um, because he's an amazing physician and has been for so many years. Um, So for me, that was a very big, big shift in my healing journey was when I connected with him. It's cool. It's, it's, it's amazing that you also, you know, I didn't expect this really coming in, reading other people's memoirs about, you know, just less harmful things that have happened to them in their lives and, you know, their goals and their dreams. But I didn't expect, and I think it's amazing how you really include these also glimmers of ways that other people can get help. Was that, was that, you know, I know you also talked about in your book, how you wanted to write, or you were writing this book 10 years ago and showing pages to your friends. And I love that part where you talk about showing, dropping, you know, what was it like 200 pages off at Cameron Diaz's doorman? (laughs) And then she, you guys had a conversation about that. And, you know, so when you were starting to put this down, was it sort of part cathartic, but also part, I want to help other people in this way? Was that kind of, because it really comes across as helpful because you're sharing your story so vulnerably, but also helpful because you've been on the other side and there's these tools that can help. So I definitely didn't have tools then. I was tool I was toolless. Um <laughs> which is an actual thing, I think. I mean I don't know that anyone's made the word, but it's a thing. Um but no, I was writing and I was writing with my family. We were all writing together. So it was kind of like this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. At the time, it felt cathartic. Mm. Looking back on it, it was not a healthy space Mm. because we were all writing and we were all then trying to write this book, Mm. but it was really not the book that I wanted to write. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were all just kind of trying to heal together when we needed to heal separately. Wow. And that wasn't a healthy space to be in because, you know, and it's not anybody's fault as far as when you grew up in a family like mine, but, you know, we were a sick family. Like we, horrible things happened to us. And then we, you know, grew up and we were not, we needed to heal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is that saying, you can't heal around the people that made you sick. Mm -hmm. And not that anyone purposefully, besides my grandfather, Mm -hmm. purposefully made me sick, but because of him and what he did, he made everybody sick. And Mm -hmm. so he made, you know, so then we were just like this boundaryless Mm -hmm. 
we always called it like this enmeshed family. We were this enmeshed family. And then when I did my interview with Dr. Romani, she was like, well, that's just another word for having no boundaries. And I was like, oh, Hmm. you know, completely clueless. But we didn't have any boundaries because we didn't know what they were and we weren't taught them. And it wasn't like it was anybody's fault. It was just all we knew. Hmm. And so um, we just really needed to, I needed to really separate and heal on my own. Wow. How did you do that? It sounds like a very different book project, sort of this let's, you know, sort of heal together. How did you distance yourself from that and just create those, those boundaries with, with your family members? It's been a really difficult process. I think when I started writing the book and it took three years altogether from like start to finish, um, there were some people in my family that just stopped talking to me because Mm -hmm. they did not want me to write it. Um, so I had those people and then I had some people that I chose to walk away from because they were still behaving in a toxic way that I could no longer, um, accept in my life or in my space. And as you know, when you become a mother, it changes everything. And when I had my daughter and I was seeing things happen around her, that was not healthy, Mm. um, that made me feel like I was back in my child self. I, for me, that was just a non-negotiable thing. I was like, she's not going to grow up like this. This is not going to be what I'm going to, you know, give her, you know, I want her to have the space to be herself. I never had that space and I want her to grow up and fully be able to express her feelings, feel safe, feel loved, feel all these things, which I didn't have and which my family continued to behave in those certain ways because they didn't have the tools to behave any other way. Mm, That's amazing. I feel like that's, you know, I keep telling my mom friends in person and just on the Instagram, like if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a caregiver at, you know, you need this book too. Um, we've been in Illinois the last couple of years helping out family. My dad had Parkinson's and oh, okay. it, it, and it was, it was a good choice to spend some time, but at the same time, seeing just the general culture here, like old, older men coming up to Daisy and younger girls and saying things like, Oh, you're so pretty. And there was a guy who actually got into the back of the car with her and to give her change from the store. And this was like a small town and he thought that this was okay. And I actually like moved his body out and he thought that I was doing something completely wrong. And it's this kind of thing that, you know, we don't see happen in big cities so much. It's like, oh, little girls are strong and boys are great. Like you're all just a person, but it was really interesting getting to that part in your book where you talk about getting pregnant and and the experience with your daughter and and even in some of the interviews like the the hugging I love how you say that around hugging and then seeing it here how it's how it's just in the culture still too um so I think this is such a massive book for really anyone you know maybe it does exist in the city but I really do see it outside of the city so much just you know there's this pressure to sort of brush it off and be okay with all of these not okay comments and then probably behaviors that lead to that and um, how do you set that up? How do you sort of arrange life with your daughter, Capri? I love that. I love her name. It's so beautiful. <laughs> how do you arrange that? <laughs> so she is safe and you feel safe and, and all of that. What are some, some tips? I think 
I think too, what's so important is that I'm like still working on myself. And that's something that has been a, this has been a really interesting ride for me because I think that do, and all the podcasts that I've been doing and, you know, social media can be so tricky with strangers having opinions about you. Yeah. I saw some of that. It's crazy. (laughs) And then you get triggered, you know, then you, uh, then I'm like, okay, Kim, you're getting triggered. So you need to just like take a breath and like put the phone down. This is not about you. This is about them. Um, so I'm saying that because it's, it's a work in progress for me with my daughter and it's an everyday, I I don't want to say battle because it's not, I don't mean that in a negative way, but I have to really be conscious of the things that I say, the things that trigger me because I do still get triggered. I probably will for the rest of my life. I do feel like um, a a total example is I gave birth to like this nature child. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's really interesting the way um, the universe works. Mm -hmm. Um, She, and it's not in the book. I have a memory around a, a, a cactus that was in my grandfather's house and something occurred with me. And I didn't have that memory till recently um, during one of my psychedelic journeys, actually. Um, but I had this thing with houseplants where I was like, we don't have houseplants. Mm. It doesn't even make sense, but it, now it does to me. But during that time it didn't. I was like, I don't not, I don't understand why people have houseplants. I don't know why you would bring dirt inside the house. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it was coming from such a deeper place. Mm. And then I have this child. If I showed you her room, she has 45 plants in her room. Oh my gosh. She's like, mom, can I have a plant in my room? I was like, absolutely not. And then, you know, I had to kind of step back and go, okay, Kim, where is this coming from? Like, why do you care if she has a plant in her room? Mm -hmm. Like, this has to be something deeper. So then I, you know, when I kind of came to terms with what had happened and why I felt the way that I felt, which is why it's so important to have to really be open to accepting your memories because they come out anyway. Mm. And so many people think that, okay, I get it. I was abused. I'm just going to like move on with my life and I want to just have a life and that's all fine and great, but it comes out. I don't care like what you, it, it, suppressing it does not make it go away. It just suppresses it. And then it bleeds out in other ways. And that's how it was bleeding out for her. And so if I didn't, if I wasn't doing the work, she wouldn't have any plants in her Mm -hmm. room. And then I would be stifling her from who she truly is, which is like, literally they're everywhere. (laughs) And I love it. And finally, when I, when I did this journey and I had the memory and I was able to go, okay, Kim, this is why you feel this way. I think the next week I was like, okay, Capri, let's go. We went to the plant store. I think I bought like every plant in the store and we just like put them all over her room and she has names for them and birthdays and like all of this stuff. And her first plant she named was Survivor. Mm. And the reason why was because it was a plant that was given to me that I killed. I don't know if I did it on purpose or not, but she um, she took it. She's like, mom, I'm going to, I'm like, I don't think this plant's going to, you know, get better. It looks pretty dead to me. She's like, mom. And she, it, you know, it blot, it bloomed again. And, um, she named it survivor. And like, I have it tattooed to my, this, my camera's all backwards. So you can't see anyway, he wrote it and I tattooed it to myself, but 
that's an example of, of when you don't heal your demons Mm -hmm. and when you don't fully look at what has happened to you, it does come out Mm -hmm. through your triggers and your triggers, as Gabor says, are, thank God we have them Mm -hmm. because they are a lesson to us to go, okay, whoa, why did I react that way? And like, what's going on inside of me that made me react this way? And then you have to go in and look at it so you can heal it. It's all really fun, mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> you make it sound fun. My goodness, and and she's nine and she's doing all of this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She oh. wouldn't wear shoes if I didn't make her wear shoes. She doesn't understand why we wear shoes. She doesn't understand like the phone. She's like, mom, it's such a it's a life sucker. Like the. Phone. <laughs> Like I gave birth to Aunt Pat, basically, I think. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so for folks who haven't read or listened to your book yet, I've re- I mean, Aunt Pat, and also looking at your social media, she's so there. It's beautiful. Um, can you talk a little bit about how Aunt Pat, I feel like she's everybody's Aunt Pat you know, in this way, but how Aunt Pat um, sort of guided you in this way. I mean, she was always saying these it sounds like these really nice one-liners, you know, like just breathe and take care of yourself and all these little messages. So can you just talk about her for a little bit, if that's all right? Yeah. Well, she was the first one to introduce me to yoga, actually. She gave me my first yoga book in the 80s when they were just really, you know, just just <laughs> picking people like in certain positions. And she was the first one to introduce me to yoga. and. um you know, she came to her mother when she was nine and told her mother that she was being abused by her father and it wasn't believed and it wasn't accepted. And so she went on to live a life of, you know, I either made this up or I'm, my mother doesn't believe me, so it can't be true. And so then he went on to do everything that he did to everybody else. And so I think she carried a lot of pain, but she was an amazing, non-judgmental, loving human, you know, same thing, like didn't believe in phones. When you had a conversation with her, you felt like you were the only person in the room and she was so present and she was so loving and she was so there for me that I know that I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have her in my life. And she always wanted to publish a book. She was a beautiful writer. I have a lot of her writings in the book. And she, oh, it's funny because she always wanted to be published by HarperCollins. That was like her dream. Wow. And she got Alzheimer's um, a long time ago. She just died two years ago. But, um, you know, and and it's interesting because that's what Gabor says. If you don't heal your traumas, they manifest into illness. And I do believe that that's what happened to her. Wow. Oh, I, and I don't think it's because she didn't heal her traumas. I think she was trying to heal everybody else. Mm. And I don't, she wanted everyone to be okay. She wanted our family to be okay. And she didn't, she didn't have boundaries because mm. she just wanted everyone to love each other, but we were all in different spaces. And so she, she did her best and she was an amazing person and was amazing to so many people and such a gift to so many people. Um, so it's sad to me that she 
had to live a life where she wasn't believed and she wasn't able to be her full mm. self because her her half self was incredible. Mm. So I could only imagine if she was able to really live in her truth, what that would have looked like for her. Wow. That's amazing. It's It really makes sense. I feel like, you know, 20 years ago when we were doing our New York stuff, trying to figure it out, like if you talked about getting a disease because of your mental state, people would look at you like you're nuts. And now, you know, all the doctors talk about it, like stress and, you know, your body can't take mental torture. Your body can't take that constant state of, of stress. That's really real. So I think that's just, again, incredible motivation to work on yourself too, and to help the people around you if you're, if you're okay, <laughs> you know, but you're helping so many just from, you know, having these conversations and and writing this book. Did you, I know you talked about in the beginning when you were writing it being cathartic, but when you're getting closer to like, okay, this is going to be a real book. This is going to be published, you know, getting your book deal and sort of all that side of things. Where did you come in with this? Like, this is going to help people or have you, have you even realized that? Because I'm watching your, a lot of your interviews on YouTube and podcasts and things. And just even looking at the hosts, look at you, you can tell, I mean, I hope you, I hope you know that because it's just so beautiful, but the, when did you figure out or have you figured out yet that, wow, I'm, this is really serving people in a big way. I think I go back and forth, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we always have that, um, feeling with ourselves that, I don't know, for me, I think there's, always a part of me that's like waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's definitely gotten less as I've, as I've gotten older and as I've been doing more and more work on myself, but it's still there, you know, it's still like, okay, you know, I need this book to be, you know, in my mental state, like I need it to be a bestseller. I need everyone to read it. You know, I have those moments. And then I have like these amazing moments where all these messages I'm getting on Instagram through strangers that are like, oh my God, or they saw an interview. I thought I was the only person that felt this way because of because I of the the uh, one of the big things is the breastfeeding thing. There was many women came, you know, and wrote about how they thought they were alone in that and that no one had ever spoken about that. Mm-hmm. And um we're so thankful that they felt less alone by me just talking about it. And I think that's part of all of this is, is that all of us have a lot of fear around what are people going to say if we speak our truth, um, if we're not living in our truth. And the reality is, is that all we're going to do is help people Mm. feel less alone if we speak our truth. And I think there's just a lot of fear around that if you're not in a place where you feel that you're living in your truth, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Sounds like a corny question, but I feel like this is really helpful for people. But what is success sort of, what's your idea of, you know, glimmering towards success now? Or has that changed for you? Like what, what is success and happiness and all of those things that we all want? What is that for you now? My daughter living her like best life that she could live that, you know, I want her 
to her never knowing my story was not an option mm-hmm. ever in my life. Um, obviously, when it's appropriate for her, she knows small things now. And she's a very inquisitive child. So um, she, you know, of course, is asked to read the book, which I've told her is, you know, obviously she hasn't read the book. Um, but just that I can give her a safe space to live in and to be her full self and whatever that looks like for her, I think is the literally like the biggest accomplishment I could ever do in my life. Mm, That's amazing. And, and, and what about your, I mean, you've done so much already. It's not like you need to do anything else. (laughs) At least, you know, like you're, Sometimes you're just like, you know, I did it all, <laughs> but are you still, you know, working on professionally in, in the film industry? Are you thinking about doing things like that more? Are you kind of focused on the author space and helping and, and doing things through that? Or is there other things that you're sort of doing with your own time? Right now I'm doing a lot of book stuff and obviously we're on strike, but um, I will work here and there. Um you know, doing films and things like that. But for me, I really just want to get my voice out there and start Mm -hmm. speaking more about this because I think incest is something that is not spoken about enough. And there's obviously, I, now I know why, what I've gone through to, to create this and what I've lost and the family that I've lost because of it. I understand why people don't come out and speak their truth more. Mm-hmm. My aunt is a perfect example of that. You know, she was a child who was expressing her truth and she was shut down. And so what does that do to a child? I mean, I, I can't even imagine Capri coming to me because she's the same age and telling me something and me just going, no, it's mm. impossible. And what that would do to her spirit. I mean, just completely change her mm-hmm. in that, you know, um, as if the abuse doesn't change you enough, then you go out and try to speak your truth to your parent or someone you love and, and they're, they shut you down. It's like what that does to your spirit. I can't even imagine well I do it happened to me so I can't imagine (laughs) um you know so I just think creating a space for her for my daughter that she can just be herself and sometimes that's hard for me you know she loves all the things that that frighten me that I have had to work really hard with and um you know so she's she's teaching me more than I could ever teach her It's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you wrote this book. I'm so glad we reconnected. Everybody needs to read Glimmer. You're fantastic. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. Wow. That was amazing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with the incredible Kimberly Shannon Murphy about her new book, Glimmer. My goodness. I know I did. I loved her book so much. I listened to it on Apple Books in one long day. Couldn't take it out of my ears. I'm going to read the book cover to cover. I'm sure it consumes in a different way as well. So make sure you get a copy and maybe share a copy also with anyone in your life that could use a little healing nudge, a little glimmer of hope as well. I'll leave all the info down below and make sure you follow Kim on socials as well to keep up with all of her 
healing adventures and sharing this with so many, helping so many. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening or watching and see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.